Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Today we're going to hear the conclusion of the message that I preached at the Victory Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. Don't mistake your sin as a mistake. Here we go. Well, I want you to meet Dennis. Dennis is pretty much like most people today. He's out there with the opinion that he's not a sinner and he does not need saving. He's just as good as any other guy. And yeah, he's made mistakes in his life, but he is not a sinner. He's not done anything that's worthy of God sending him to hell. I mean, some people, yeah, they deserve hell. They're, they're just outright sinners. And he can probably point a few out to you, but not him. Oh, no, not him. His sins are not sins. They're just simply mistakes. And if we come along and try to share with him the gospel and try to explain to him his sin and, his, and to have him acknowledge his sin and try to explain to him that if the Ten Commandments were a, a chain and each link was one of the uh, Ten Commandments and God's holding the top and you're holding the bottom of the chain and below you is hell, how many links have to break before you're in trouble? Only one link. And we're trying to explain to Dennis there his need for salvation, his need to turn from his sins and confess them and to re repent of his self-righteousness and to trust God for his salvation. But he refuses to see it because he keeps redefining his sins as simply mistakes. And after all, mistakes can be fixed, right? I mean, I mean, we can fix mistakes, and he probably shouldn't be blamed for thinking that because he lives in a society where that's exactly what we do. People, you know, do think wrong things, and we want to call them mistakes. Oh, but we can fix those things. So he lives in a world where if someone lives recklessly with their financial world and, you know, they take on debt and, and can't pay it back, well, that's no problem. We can fix that. He simply goes down to the court and files a petition for bankruptcy. And all that debt has been wiped away and he has fixed his problem. And so therefore he's not in trouble. And a person out there who lives in sexual freedom and fornication and adultery and the person ends up pregnant, well, we can fix that problem. We simply go down to the abortion clinic to Planned Parenthood or other facilities like that and fix the problem and take away the consequence of their wrong actions. Or maybe there's a broken relationship out there. Uh, people didn't keep their commitments to each other, and these broken relationships have fall into such a state that we can fix that. We just simply sever a marriage that God said, till death do you part. But no, we're going to fix this problem here and give you a divorce. You know, I, you know, we live in a world where we think we can clean up and fix these mistakes, but often we're compounding these problems into greater problems. Because if a person didn't learn how to live as a husband 
and be faithful to his wife and to be devoted and to work on his relationship, he's going to take all his mistakes and his problems and his failures and go into a next relationship. And guess what? They're going to break up too. Do you know the divorce rates? Uh, I, I, I should have had these ready for today. That be, would be a great thing to put out there, but I'm going to go off memory here a little bit. The actual divorce rate of a first marriage is about 40%. About four out of 10 marriages will fail in the first marriage. Second marriage, it's about 60%, six out of 10, somewhere around there, if I remember correctly there. And third marriages, about 75% of those were likely to end up in divorce. And thus, when we look at the statistics there, that marriages end, about half of them end in marriage. Well, the fact is that the first uh, first marriage is about four out of 10, then six out of 10 for second marriages, and almost eight out of 10 in third marriages. Why? They haven't learned to deal with their problems. They want to call them, oh, these was, this was just a mistake. I made a mistake marrying this person here. And, um, and so on. you know what we're doing with kids in high school today in America? I don't know how it is in Canada and other parts of the world. But here in America, we are, you know, we give them participation trophies, even though they failed, even though they're, you know, they, they didn't come in as a winner. We give them, oh, man, you know, if you had fun, you're a winner. And just because you participated and don't feel bad that you didn't win. And so they go through their academic career as kids where we should be teaching them, but we're failing them instead but we keep passing them and graduating them to the next grade, to the next grade, to the next grade. Two out of 10 American graduates cannot read properly. Some of them can't read at all. Man, you know, we fixed that mistake. They made a mistake. They didn't pass this year, but that's okay. We're going to give them a graduation certificate anyways. Dentists can't be blamed in a way for thinking that mistakes can be fixed. No, they're not being fixed. They are superficially putting a stamp of being fixed on them. We've given a superficial idea that we're fixing your problems and your mistakes. But do not be deluded in thinking you can treat your sin the same way. Your sin is, is not a mistake. And sin has eternal consequences. And I want to drill this point home here today. Stop deceiving yourself. Stop it. Stop deceiving yourself that you are righteous before God. You are guilty of sin. That's what the law reveals to us. Admit it. If you're like Dennis out there, you will stand before a righteous God who will judge you according not to your mistakes, what you think, your standard of what's right and wrong, but what God considers as sin and breaking of the Ten Commandments. And, and it's true. If, if the Ten Commandments were like a chain and each link was a commandment and God's holding the top and you're holding the bottom and below you is hell— only one link has to be broken before you're in trouble. The fact is that we break probably these links multiple times in our lifetime. So number one, stop deceiving yourself about your guilt. Secondly, repent. Repent of your self-righteousness. Stop 
uh, 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 pretending that you are good and turn from it. Repent of these ideas, these notions that you are righteous before God. Your self-righteousness is pride. And the Bible tells us very clearly that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself. Admit your wrong and your fault. Cry out to God about your sin and turn and trust him. And the third thing you need to do is to believe. Believe in the blood of Christ for the remission of your sin. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, the Bible tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. You can't wipe away your sin. You cannot remove it. You can't block uh, blot it out without the blood. What blood are we talking about? All the way beginning from the Old Testament in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve had sinned, we find that God took something innocent and took its life, the life of innocence, the, the blood of a lamb, to shed its blood for the wrongdoing of another. God was teaching us from the very beginning in the garden that there could be a pardon for our sins, not our mistakes, but our sins, by taking something that was innocent and shedding of its blood to pay for an atonement, to remit, to remove, to expunge from the record our sin. There's a passage in the Psalms. Psalms chapter 22, by the way, is an interesting psalm. Very clearly, a thousand years before Jesus came to the cross and laid his life down at the cross, Psalms 22 is a prophetic psalm. And in that psalm, it describes to the detail of Christ being nailed to a cross that his bones wouldn't be broken, but but uh, but uh, his life would be given on a cross. And, and all these things are so clearly spelled out for us in Psalms chapter 22. You might take the time to read that psalm sometime soon. But let me draw your attention to verse number six. In verse number six, it opens with these words, but I am a worm, but I am a worm. Now, this is not just the, the, the speaking of the Messiah coming and humbling himself. We see that in the New Testament that he took on him the form of a servant and uh, and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We see his humility and stuff. This kind of explains the same thing, but I am a worm, one of the lowest form of creatures here on the face of this earth. But the actual word that's being used here is taula, the taula worm. The taula worm is a species of worm that you'll find in Israel and some parts of the Middle East, but you'll not find anywhere else in the world. And the tallow worm, what it will do is as it's about ready to spawn and give birth to, to new life to, to its babies, it would climb up a post or a tree and it will affix itself onto the wood and it will birth its babies. And in the process, it will die. And it will excrete a red dye. And that red dye will mark the tree, the post, 
in a dye that you know will not wash off, the rain will not remove. This red substance will color the offspring into a scarlet red color. And it will stay there locked into this and it will be dead, but it will it will decompose but create a cocoon for its babies for three days. And then the creature will turn into a white flaky substance and then like snow fall to the ground. The Bible says of the Messiah, but I am a worm, a taula. That is so descriptive of what the book, the prophet Isaiah had said in chapter one, verse 18, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. What a great picture for us. And isn't it wonderful how the Bible just weaves and the harmony of the scriptures blend together such in such a sweet way. And what a great picture that is for us. The blood of Jesus Christ will wash away your sins. It will give a remission. It will remove. It will expunge your record. And therefore, when you stand before God on the day of judgment, he will not see you with sins. He'll see you as cleansed and free from the guilt of sin because Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sins. Would you stop trying to pretend that you're without sin and that your sins are a mistake. No, they're sinful and that you deserve hell because of them. Repent of your self-righteousness and fall at the cross of Jesus where the blood was spilt and claim it for your salvation and you can be saved today. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved.